Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call, 499-9526. And, of course, you stick a 225 in front of there and you can call us from anywhere you might be. It's really amazing to me how many folks we have from outside of the area. And hopefully they'll all start calling in and... You know, let us know. We do get a lot, a lot of emails from people out of town. I get emails just about every day from Houston and Chicago and Los Angeles and you name it, you know, all over pretty much the world. I guess that's just technology today. Having a little bit of trouble with Brian's microphone there, so if he sounds like he's in a barrel, that's <laughs> what it is, but he'll get that straightened out for you just pretty darn quick. Hey, just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you during the week, pop on the website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Of course, that stands for Altazan's Garage Company. And you can go on there. You can find, I think, just about anything you might need to know. That's right. And there should you, you happen not, not to be able to, <laughs> yeah, should you happen not to be able to find an answer to your question, or mm-hmm. you would just like a personal question answered, you can send Lewis an email. There's a contact bar there on every page. That's right. He'll get that question answered and back to you within 24 hours. Well, that's right. And that's something I don't ever mind. Some people say, well, I don't want to bother you. So it's not a bother. I mm-hmm. actually like hearing from people because number one, it tells me the things that people are thinking about and the things that people are interested in. And That's right. A lot of times we've actually parlayed questions into new services. Okay. Several people who had written me and said, you know, my car is just out of warranty and now I'm having this issue and they won't do anything about the warranty because the warranty's ended. Uh-huh. And that's where the pre-warranty expiration inspection came from. I said, well, you know, those problems that you're having, there were symptoms before the The mileage ran out. Yeah, before the mileage ran out. You may not have recognized them, but a good inspection would likely have shown them up, and you could have got what you had paid for already in the form of the warranty. Exactly. So a whole service was born out of just a few questions there. So it's, it's valuable for me to hear. Also, I take those questions and sort of reword them put them on the site so that other people can benefit from them as well. That's right. There's, what, over a 1,000? Well over a 1,000 of the vehicle questions, vehicle questions, which are short-to-the-point sort of questions. Uh-huh. Then we've also got the detailed topics, which is a much, much more involved article, article on a, on a certain specific topic. topic. Correct. Last uh, week was air conditioning. Yes, we started out pretty much with the electrical side of the system and some things you could check very easily yourself. Uh-huh. This week we've moved on to a much more involved set of diagnostic procedures where a lot of people actually have air conditioning gauges or they, they want to try to fix their air conditioning themselves. Well, all this tells you is how to do it properly. Correct. With a set of gauges, what do those gauges mean? What is static pressure? We're actually looking at the refrigeration side of the air conditioning. That's now. exactly right. And what does this relationship to this gauge mean? You know, If you have a low, low side reading and a normal high side reading, what does that mean? Well, that uh-huh. means a specific thing. And with the proper use of gauges, you can diagnose a lot of these problems. And the key to fixing anything is diagnosing, knowing what you're going after. Correct. And it's one of those topics that I started out with a little bit of information. And, of course, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It just snowballed into well, I was three ho- separate weeks. Well, I was hoping to make it three, but it looks like now it's going to go at least four. All right. Because I've got next week written, and next week we will talk about leaks which is one of the largest problems in the system, uh-huh. how to spot a leak, the methods of finding leaks, and how to repair leaks, and how not to repair leaks, okay. more importantly. Exactly. And from there, I think the final week will be on replacing components, how to avoid problems when replacing components, because mm-hmm. that can get just ludicrously expensive. Oh, it can. We've got a little PT Cruiser in the shop right now, and the lady spent about 
$2,000 trying to fix it. And they've put three compressors on it. Wow. To this point. And it's probably going to end up costing about $2,400 to straighten out what they've done uh -huh. plus fix the original problem. And the original problem was an intermittent fault in the cooling fan on the condenser. And okay, the head pressure is going too high. That makes sense. Yeah, so for $258 fan and about hour and a half labor. Being the correct diagnosis. Well, she's going to end up out almost $5,000 by the time she's done trying right. to fix. Something that was diagnosed wrong to begin with. Yeah, a, a $500 problem. Yeah. <laughs> so real good article, a lot of really good information. It's a little more technical than some of the things we've done in the past. Uh -huh. But I think we've got a lot of folks both ways. Some people just don't know anything about a car at all, and that's fine. There's a majority of information on there is for them this is for maybe a do-it-yourself or someone who just wants a little more knowledge right who has a little it. understanding of it already and yeah. just needs a little help and there are other articles on there if you don't have any understanding that you can read before you go to this that will tell you how air conditioning works and so on and so forth so anyway really good series of articles you might want to read those and see what you get out of it it's agcoauto.com a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o.com and i think you'll really like it we're going to our phone lines with john good morning john Good morning. Uh, how y'all doing? Good Great, morning, sir. sir. I got an engine I need to uh, swap out. Okay. 3.0 Ford Ranger. Okay. Hey, I was wondering what the best place or where y'all would buy a, an engine and if remanufactured and uh, rebuilds make a big difference. Uh, John, big price difference. I will be honest with you. I would not buy a rebuilt or a remanufactured engine unless you bought it from Ford. From Ford? Yes, mm -hmm. sir. Ford sells a rebuilt engine. Now, you're going to pay a premium price for it. But I'm going to tell you, in my experience, all of the local rebuilt and the rebuilds you find everywhere else are not, that it's not any good. You would actually be better off to try to find a late model used motor than to go with most of the rebuilt stuff out there. Really? At least really? with a used motor, you've got a Ford engine that was assembled by Ford. Everything is right on it. And if you get one without too many miles, you are going to have a much better better chance of success with that than most of what I see out there rebuilt. It's just extremely difficult to do machine work properly. The number of folks out there who can do proper machine work are almost none. Started out doing that myself 40 years ago. And what I see out there today, there is just not, they're just not there. And I get cars in constantly where someone has put a rebuilt motor and I mean, just nothing but problems. I have even installed a few of the motors where people just more or less insisted I want to get this motor and put in my car, and nothing but problems. I mean, they either burn oil or they're knocking when you put them together, or in six months they're knocking, or they're leaking oil, or they're burning oil, or on and on and on and on and on. I just don't have any faith in them. Now, that's my experience. But Ford does sell a good product. And they are kind of proud of them, but you might just check. Sometimes they're fairly reasonable. But yeah, well, uh, have you heard of uh, Jasper? Yes, sir. And I can't discuss names on the air, but like oh, I said, okay. I would just go either with a Ford or I would try to find a used motor somewhere with low miles. Number of sources on the internet that sell used motors. Most of them are very reputable. You can generally call, talk to the guy, and today you can pretty much verify engine mileage pretty easily. I would look. We install a lot of used engines today just because they are a lot less expensive and they are very good for the most part. We probably do, what, about one a week maybe? Yeah. And I've had basically no problems at all with them. 
And you, you say used engine, you mean like one off of a junkyard? Yes, sir. Uh, go on the internet and just type in like used engine or something like that, and you're going to find thousands of people in there. You'll find a lot of local people. Right. There's lo- some local, local ones, and there's plenty of them all over the country, and they'll ship right. them in to you. But yeah. a lot of your locals have affiliations with everybody else in the country. Right. So if they don't have one here, they can, they get, can get one from wherever. And there are even trucks that make a circuit right. and they deliver to all of them. You know, they all share parts. So it's almost like one big network now. If you just call almost anybody, they can help you. They can deliver it right to your house or wherever you're going to do the work. And yeah. uh, if you're going to have a shop do it, they can deliver it. We have people go out on the internet, find an engine, have it delivered to me, and I put it in for them. So in my experience, that is a much, much, much better deal, and you're much more likely to have a good result with that than you are what they call them rebuilt out there today. Okay, so it's better to get, I mean, instead of me going to find one, I guess uh, one of these guys you're talking about who supplies them, they look at Yeah, just call around or or just Google it and and see, and, I mean, pretty quick you're going to get an idea of who knows what they're talking about, who doesn't, and shop a few of them. You'll get a feel for about what it's going to cost. You necessarily don't want the cheapest one out there, but you don't want the most expensive one either. But they'll tell you mileage on them and what kind of warranty they come with. And with warranty, I guess probably six months is pretty common. But you got to remember, on an engine, if there's a problem with that engine, it's going to show up in six months. It's going to show up right away. Yeah. And if it makes it six months, it's probably going to make it six years. Now, right. if you just want to hedge your bet, what we generally do when we get them in, we'll go ahead and drop the oil pan on them, look inside, make sure it's clean, there's no sludge in it, pull the valve covers off, make sure there's no sludge buildup or any of that. If it needs a timing belt, yeah. it gets a timing we belt a time before belt it gets on, put in the car. Before we put you them know, in. And things it, like that. Yeah, you drop pans full of metal or it's full of uh, sludge, I mean, you just call the guy and say, hey, look, this is not what I bought, and they'll generally take them back and send you another one. Yeah. Okay, so well, one more time, just do a uh, search on the internet for used yeah. engine. Yeah, that's what yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. I appreciate your help. All right, John. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, thank you. All 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. I know that kind of flies in the face of logic. Well, it does. But it's true. But the price of new cars today, you got to keep the old ones going. That's right. And used parts keeps cars going. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, used parts, you got to remember, that is a manufacturer's original equipment part it is it's built right you know it was put together right that's right unless there was a problem unless with it something before. happened to it in which you and can in generally, cases you get you see that you can generally figure that out pretty easy though with a compression test and look inside and see if there's any sludge build up and that that's sort right. of thing but what they call rebuilt is 100 percent at the mercy of the guy who rebuilt it and exactly. there are probably some rebuilders out there who are the exception to the rule and they've they built are. a great product they are I just hadn't found them. <laughs> I, I tell you, I've dealt with a few of those things, mm-hmm. and I've had friends that dealt with a few of those rebuilds, mm-hmm. and they actually bought one that wouldn't run right, pulled the head off of it, mm-hmm. and the cylinders were punched different sizes. Yeah, I One was 30,000ths over, and one was 50,000ths over. Well, they, they started punching them yeah. 30, and one wouldn't clean up, so, so they, they just went in and punched 50 and exactly. put a big pistol in it. Exactly. Yeah, that so you never of, know what you're going to get. That's right. At least when you're getting an, a used engine that came from Ford, GM, Chrysler, Toyota, whomever, you know it was built right. That's right. Originally. It was put together right. It was right. put together in a factory, and you know it was done. But I actually worked in an engine rebuilding plant many, many years ago, and yeah, I just don't have a lot of faith in the rebuilt stuff. Right. It's kind of like a lot of the new parts on the market nowadays, quote unquote new. Yeah. You're actually better off with rebuilding than the new stuff. Exactly. It's some, some kind of, the- of a cheap Chinese knockoff. And it looks the part, but that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even I've work. I dealt with that too. It looks the right part. Right out of the box. So, hey, going back to our phone lines. Paul, good morning, Paul. Good morning. I'd kind of like to piggyback on that last question. You bet. Um, what if you just want a little more 
performance. What about like a crate engine? Oh, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Some of those guys do. They actually buying Chevrolet crate engines or Ford crate engines or whatever and just putting some high-performance stuff on them. I like going back to the manufacturer just because, number one, they have an extremely strong warranty on them. Most of them are three-year, 100,000-mile warranty with them. And if you check the price, I know GM is very reasonable on their they engines. They Ford is not quite as good, and Chrysler's not quite as good, but they're not bad. You'd be surprised. They're not all that out of line. Toyota, unfortunately, doesn't sell a rebuilt motor. They sell a short block, and you got to buy all the pieces. So by the time you do that, you've pretty much priced yourself out of the market. Same thing with Honda and Acura and those guys. They sell short blocks and then pieces. The other day, we needed an engine for a Toyota, and I called around, and I actually found a 30,000-mile engine. Really? And the guy had, I think, 250 on his. So we popped a 30,000-mile engine there. Well, man, he's good for another 200,000 miles now. He put a uh, timing belt on it just to make sure I had it out anyway. You just got to be a little careful about what they call rebuilt out there. I, it's just my experience. I have seen real, real bad luck with them. I know people have spent big bucks for that stuff. Then they bring them to me to, look. And man, look, you, know, you got all, all the compressions unequal on right. it. This is bad. You know, this is bad. It's just I'm not real impressed with them. Mm-hmm. All right. Appreciate all right. it. Hey, thanks, all right, man. Sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. We're going to be right back with more of the Automotive Hour. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to L.A. There are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For more, we go to field reporter Jack McClin. Dave, the alien ship has malfunctioned, and they're actually communicating with General Toms via intergalactic code. I see. Your ship is broken down. You want to be taken to our leader, the president? Oh, to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair, where they don't just work on cars, they fix them. Sir, he's correct. You can trust the honest knowledgeable team at Agco to do the job right. Sergeant, it looks like we're dealing with some highly evolved life form. Dave, I'll sign off for now, but it seems that across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. And if you want to learn more, go to agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Wait, there's another question. What is it, General? Well, they heard Demi Moore's back on the market and won her phone number. Like you said, a highly evolved life form. Well, good morning. <laughs> Welcome back to the Automotive Hour. Boy, I tell you, I'm just off. I'm just, in low res this morning. That's it. You know? <laughs> One section off. That's right. I need to get kicked up to high res, boy. I tell you. <laughs> just, hey, this is Automotive Hour. If you just started listening, and I'm Lewis Altazan, your host with Mr. Brian Terry. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. Of course, that's area code 225, just in case you're outside of our calling area. That's right. For this distance caller today, we'll get a free Agco t-shirt. That's right. We will USPS that right on over to you. Just when we get through talking to you, if you'll talk, tell our producer your address and maybe give them your email just in case we need to get in touch with you. Okay. And we will get a Agco t-shirt out to you. First thing Monday morning. That's right. First thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going back to our phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe. How y'all doing? Great, Good sir. morning. Good, good. Uh, I've got an 05 
Sierra with a 5.3. Uh-huh. The cooling fans do not come on unless I turn the AC on. Okay. And I've swapped the two interchangeable relays, and I get the same result. Well, that may be normal on it, Joe, because it's not going to come on until the engine reaches a certain temperature. All right. Well, I forgot to let you know that. It gets up to uh, its normal operating range is like 207, 209 normally. Mm-hmm. And when it gets up to that, they don't even come on. Well, those fans may not, without the air conditioning on, those fans may not come on to almost 220 degrees. I mean, that is. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's nearly overheated on me. I just have to see it, Joe. There is uh-huh. a module that controls that. Right. There's also the electronic temperature sensor. You need to see what the sensor is seeing, which is going to take a Tech 2 scan tool. If you plug a Tech 2 in, it could be the sensor is not seeing the t- engine temperature, so it thinks it's cold, so it's just not enabling it. If it okay. is sending command to the module, what you'd have to do is check power and ground and input into the module. And if you have all of that, nothing out of the module, then the module's bad. Oh, I see. And what's rough price on, say, the module? I don't really know off the top of my head, but most of that stuff's pretty expensive, at right. least at least two or 300 bucks. Not something, oh, you, just, oh. not right. something you just try and, and hope right. it's going to work, you know? Well, that's why I, did, I didn't want to start throwing parts at it, because uh, so I figured I'd give you all a call. Yeah, and if you got the AC on, it works normally? Yes, sir. They run full speed. speed that I'm not sure on. Well, see, the, sure it's got two inputs there. It's got right. one that's going to kick it on when the AC comes on. It's got another one on the high side line of the AC system. The high side pressure starts going up. It'll kick it up even faster. Right. So you got to have the wherewithal to measure the speed that they're running at, which is almost impossible without the proper tooling and experience. Right. And if it's got all of that, then I would almost guess that it's probably going to be the coolant temperature sensor, but okay. you know, that's just a guess. Right. Now, right. if you just want to throw something out and hope to fix it, you might try changing that because that's not going to be real expensive, probably 30 okay. 40 bucks for a sensor. But okay. you got to remember, too, there's two sensors on there. One's a gauge sensor and one's a computer sensor. Ah. Now, if that sensor is bad, your fuel mileage ought to be low because that's going to knock fuel mileage down pretty good. Hmm. So if you fuel okay, mileage, that's interesting because I'm averaging by the readout I get on my uh-huh. uh, dash uh-huh. twelve something. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty that's low. Pretty low for a See, similar. if that coolant temperature sensor is low because injectors don't have a choke, what, what? they do is they start double firing the injectors because they think the engine's cold. Ah, so it's okay. going to burn a lot more gas. Wonderful. So, so I, I am going to try that, and if that doesn't do it, I might be bringing by. Yeah, you. if that doesn't do it, I wouldn't. I mean, you literally run out of money before you run out of gases. You're going to need right. to get someone who knows what to do and that can actually put some instrumentation on there and tell you what's going on. But right. just be sure you tell the dealer when you go in to buy that sensor, you want the one that runs the computer, not the one that runs the gauge. That's right. Both okay. of those, both right. of them are in the uh, cooling circuit. Uh-huh. So when you pull it out, you're going to lose some coolant. So just be prepared for it. Yeah. Just okay. make, it, make a kind of quick swap. You know, have one ready. When you pull one out, push the other one back in. Right. Start, yeah. Right. You okay, won't lose great. as much, but yeah. All right, wonderful. I okay, appreciate it, guys. All, All right, right sir. Thank you. Right. Bye bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. That's not a common failure on a. No, we don't GM see a vehicle. whole lot of those at all. In fact, we don't see very many overheating problems unless it's no. a leak. We do see a lot of the cylinder heads cracking on them. Radiator tanks. Radiator tank. Right. Cracking. Things of that nature. Losing coolant. And but. the water pump gaskets. Yes. You usually go out way before the water pump goes out. In fact, many, many times we just take the pump off, put new gaskets in there, and put it back together because uh-huh. the pump that's on there is probably better than the pump you're going to buy to replace it with. Well, that's it. you got to be careful <laughs> what you're buying these days. Yeah, and just buying AC Delco means absolutely nothing because Delco's got two lines. They've that's got right. the OEM line, which probably costs close to $300, and then they got the aftermarket 
Delco line, which is about $80. Right. Both in the same box, side by side, you can't tell them apart. You just got to know the difference in the part numbers. Part numbers, that's it. And even buying it from a dealership doesn't mean you're getting the right part. You may be getting the cheap junk knockoff part. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> in the $300 like, box. Yeah, kind of like a, a Bourbon Street Dooney and Burke water pump. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, you guys see those purses down there? <laughs> well, I know there's a $1,000 purse, but I'm going to sell it to you for 10 bucks. You know? right. Cut you a deal. <laughs> That's right. So you got to really, really watch out for that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we don't see an awful lot of overheating problems on Chevrolets. No. They, just, they got their problems, but that's not one of them. That's it. And, you know, Chevrolet, in my experience over the years, has never really had a great deal of overheating problems. No. They've always had a decent cooling system on them. Just, always seem to work real well. Yeah. The, the only ones we ever saw with trouble is some of the six cylinders where those intake manifolds would leak. And, of course, they get low on cooling, they can start overheating. Well, there you there again, you still got a leak. That's right. You know, it's, Look, all things set aside, yeah, they seem to be a pretty good Yeah, that system. little 3-1, if it would get hot a couple times, blow a head gasket. And then right. it's gonna get, once the head gasket's blown or the head's cracked, then it's going to get hot forever Yeah, you know, after that. But most time, when you see one overheating, then it's because something is r- clearly wrong. Right. As opposed to some cars, which just sort Ran. of always had... Yeah, had ran hot. You can fix it for a while, but then <laughs> come back. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that old flathead Ford we got in the shop right now, forty-seven model Ford. Right. And when they put the flathead system together, of course the valves are in the engine block and they're towards the center of the block rather than the outside. So in order for the exhaust gas to get past the exhaust valve, it has to run through the middle of the motor, uh-huh. which produces a huge amount of heat. And Ford always had trouble with that engine overheating. They did. They, in fact, they had to redesign it and put two water pumps put on it. two water pumps on it, dual inlets on the radiator, put a huge radiator in it oh, trying, yeah. to, trying know, to correct cool that issue. And I don't know if they ever did get it fixed. I guess they got it fixed when they came out with a 292 Y block. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do nothing with this, so let's just get rid of it. Well, ironically, back during World War II, there was a lot of trucks and stuff that were using the flathead. Uh-huh. And they were having overheating problems when they're hauling the war material around right and zora arcus duntoff who was actually a chevrolet engineer yeah engineered an overhead valve head for, for the that, flathead for yeah. that block and there's actually a few of those still in the Is extent there? yeah yeah but that actually cured the problem <laughs> <laughs> hey we're gonna take one more quick little break and be right back with more of the automotive hour Reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For reaction from Washington, we go to Kit Moyer. Dave, Congress has been deadlocked for hours on a big decision. No doubt about this alien threat. No doubt. Well, Dave, my sources tell me that the alien ships have malfunctioned, and they want their repairs performed by Agco Automotive. So you're saying for all these years, Agco has been operating as an alien hub, helping in their evil plot to take over the world. No, you said that. I'm saying that these aliens know that inferior repair work can cost you time and money down the road. And taking their vehicle to Agco means it gets fixed right the first time. So if you want to learn more about how Louis Altazan is a servant to an alien overlord, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Dave, you're really trying to boost ratings, aren't you? Uh, sorry. Wait, Dave. Congress is no longer deadlocked, and it looks like it's thin crust and not deep dish. Yes, people, our tax money hard at work. I'm Kit Moyer, signing off. Noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't keep on. 
watching with uh, well, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call, 499-9526, and that is area code 225. If you call from outside our local calling area, that's right. And if you just give our producer your address, we will be sure to get an Agco T-shirt sent right on over there to you. That's it. And just one request with that offer: if you'd like to put our T-shirt on and take a picture of yourself with it on in front of a local landmark that's and right. send it to us we'll get it put on the website that's right we got a little special section set up soon as we get enough of them we'll start doing that and it'd be kind of neat is maybe one in front of the spanx or something That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> just in case anybody in egypt happens to be listening there you go <laughs> go ahead and give us a call we're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction we were talking just before the break about engines and changing engines and that is one of those things that can really give a car sort of a new lease on life for instance, if you got a car, it's burning oil, maybe it's knocking, perhaps it's been overheated a couple of times, uh-huh. maybe it got ran out of oil, burned up the engine. Many times an engine swap, putting in a rebuilt engine or a used engine with much lower mileage can give you thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of service out of the car. Sure, especially if it's a vehicle you like, one that does what you need it to do and everything else is in pretty decent shape, an engine swap is not that big a deal in the scheme of things. That's right, and it's going to be expensive, clearly, because they don't give motors away, and Correct. it's a lot of labor to swap it out. But even if you invest four or $5,000 in a car that is real nice otherwise, uh-huh. I mean, I don't know if you look at used cars lately, but you don't buy a whole lot for four or $5,000. No, you don't. Um, you Man. don't buy a whole lot for ten to $15,000. Ten dollars to 15000 will get you a little four-cylinder. Yeah, automatic with, with 150,000 miles, 150, miles on that's about the way it is and if you go start looking around you'll find out but let's say you've got a nice car and the only thing wrong with it is the motor is bad well if we go and find a used motor with let's say you've got 250,000 miles on your car okay and it's burning all let's say we can find a motor with 80 or 90,000 miles and put into that car well now you're back where you were many many years ago and theoretically at least you could probably go another two hundred thousand miles with this vehicle right depending on what took the first one out well that's right if it was lack of maintenance that took the first engine out Mm -hmm. you can step maybe learn your lesson (laughs) (laughs) and you maybe you can go over two hundred fifty thousand miles with this one well and you make an excellent point in that the very best way to handle this situation is to not get in this situation in the first place exactly and that is easier than you might think. It's not a day of the week that goes by that someone doesn't come in with a car with 120, 130,000 miles with major, 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 major problems. Uh-huh. Burning oil, it's leaking oil severely all over, it's knocking, it's doing this. And for the most part, that is due to just infrequent oil changes or not changing the oil. And there's so much misinformation on that topic there really is i really really wish the politicians would stick to the stuff they know like and ripping le- us off <laughs> yeah, yeah and leave everything else yeah to- and leave everything oh. else alone because i was talking to a fella out in california and i haven't verified this yet but he told me that there's actually state legislation now that if you want to change your oil at three thousand miles but the car maker says seven thousand they will fine you Really? If you go in ahead and change your oil, which is, is so ludicrous, even the environmentalists ought to be up in arms about this because, number one, 
used oil out of an engine, 100% of it gets recycled. It sure. becomes heating oil. So if you start drying up that source, you aren't conserving oil. You're just having to get oil from another source for heating oil. Right. So it's 100% recycled. There is no loss there. But way, way more to the point, what happens is that cars that receive infrequent oil changes pollute a lot more because sure. now they start burning oil because the rings wear out a lot faster. They have to be replaced, which means we have to go and rob all these resources out of the environment to build a new car, whereas we had a perfectly good car that goes to the scrapyard. So it's really a totally, totally misinformed group of people who are pushing this. And unfortunately, we've got a misinformed group of people who kind of laud over everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of forgot their job is to help the people and not rule over the people with what they believe. And that's just one of those things you'll see people all the time and they've read an article somewhere. Well, I can go eight, 10, 12,000 miles. Every one of those articles is based on about a 50,000 mile life cycle or simulated life cycle to the car. Uh-huh. Now cars are pretty robust sure. and they They'll can take a probably lot. last 50, 60, 70,000 miles, even under those conditions. Uh-huh. Just like I can probably start when I'm 17 years old smoking, I can probably smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, I can probably get drunk three times a week, I can probably gain 50 pounds, and you know what? Until I'm about 40 years old, I'm going to do okay. Right. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to run around and do quite what I should, but I'm going to be okay. 40 seems to be the magic number. That's right. Now, pretty soon after that, I'm going to keel over with a massive coronary. Had I not done that, I might have lived to be 90 years old. Correct. But same thing with an automobile. Same exact thing with a car. Not a lot of folks, at least not a lot of folks that I know, can afford to throw a car away at 100,000 miles. No. And go pop down 45,000 for a new one. Well, you got to figure the 100,000 miles, they're still making payments on it. Well, in many, many cases they are because they had to finance the blasted thing for seven to eight years right. just to be able to afford the payments on it. And I've got two cars. I've got a 2002 model Chevy pickup, which is my new truck. Yeah, because it was the last one you bought. It was the last one. It'd be new until I get a newer one, which will probably be at least at least another 10 years, maybe 20. Who knows? Who knows? But I fully intend to keep that truck for 20 years. Uh-huh. I've also got a 2005 model Buick. Again, I don't consider that I'm even halfway through the life of that car. Right. Got close to 100000 on it now. But, I mean, if I can't get at least 200 250 I just haven't gotten my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not that different from most people out there, I think. There's just a lot of other things that I would prefer to spend my money on sure. than send it to some car company who's going to squander it and pilfer it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I would prefer to go on vacation, take a cruise, maybe add on to my house, maybe buy some furniture or something that I can enjoy. I was talking to a fella in the shop the other day, and he's in the process of buying a new car now. He was talking about what a just a horrible experience it has been for him. Uh-huh. All the sitting in that little room, and they got to go talk with this guy, and they got to go talk with that guy, and all. I said, if I'm coughing up forty grand, I want to be having a good time. That's right. I want to be on a cruise around the world or something. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of cash, I want to be having fun. Well, that's it. And don't want to spend that kind of money on somebody who's going to make me miserable. So the point is, I guess, it doesn't take all that much. And while it's never too late to start watching your vehicle maintenance, there is a very, very critical point, and that critical point is somewhere around 100,000 miles because uh-huh. generally most cars are engineered to make about 100,000 pretty trouble-free today. However, if you have not done anything to the car by 100, you're going to start seeing major problems shortly thereafter. 
just like our example of the guy, 45 years old. Right. If you get the car at 100, you go in, you service the transmission, you service the coolant, you put plugs and change the belts, you do all the stuff that's past due now, you service the rear differential, on and on and on. Now you've got a car that can probably make 200. However, if you don't do that, you just get in it and drive and put gas in. You're going to make about another 10 to 20,000. The transmission's going south. Well, okay, there's three grand. That's right. Differential's going to burn up. Differential's going to burn up. There's 1,500. The engine may start burning oil. It may do this, that, or other. You're going to start burning up call packs and missing, and a check engine light's going to pop on. You're going to start losing coolant. Yeah, you're going to spend probably three, $4,000 trying to repair your neglect that maybe $1,000 in maintenance earlier on in its life could, could have, have totally prevented. That's right. And it's ironic, I guess, fellows tell me, well, y'all always harping on me. I said, well, you know, it's not that I don't like folks who don't do it because that is what has made me a wealthy man. Sure. <laughs> but if you do do it, I would much prefer to do maintenance, even though there's less money in that than repairs, just because there's more of a sense of satisfaction. You don't want to have to tell a person who really doesn't have the money, hey, it's going to be six grand for another motor, or you have to get another car. Right. That's not a pleasant thing to have to tell people. It's sort of like a doctor having to tell people, I'm sorry, you're terminal. There's just nothing we can do for you. I'm completely up. And that's got to be really tough on a medical doctor. And, and it's kind of sort of the same thing with cars. You don't want to tell them that their car is never right. not economically feasible to repair. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, so much of that can be prevented. It can. So you just got to catch it at the right time. And somewhere around 100000 is kind of the end of the game for you. It's kind of like the point of no return. Better if you have maintained it up to that point. But when you get to that point, you still got that last little chance. But it's kind of like with aircraft on a carrier deck. When they start taking off, they got to hit a certain speed by a certain point. And then they got the point of no return. That's right. Once they cross this point, they got to go. That's it. You got to make it. Because <laughs> you don't have enough runway to stop. That's right. <laughs> and if you ain't got the right speed, you're going down in the water. And that's just kind of the point of no return on most cars. If you start right then taking care of it and then continue to take care of it, you can probably get many thousand more miles out of it. Right. You spend a little up front, a little along the line to save a major investment later. Well, that's right. Plus the inconvenience of being broke left. down and left stranded right we're going out fall out bruce good morning bruce good morning yes sir. good morning sir is it raining over there yet it is not not yet oh good uh well anyway uh, every now and then you talk about the cracked heads in a gm yes sir, mm-hmm. uh, yes, sir. got one in shop was, right now i was just wondering say let's say one with 100 120,000 miles is it feasible just to change the heads on it yes sir, that's normally what we do miss oh, bruce because that little five three or four eight whichever it may be lower in Normally will last 250,000 miles with hardly any trouble if it's been even remotely taken care of. So an engine with 110, 120,000 miles, you're less than halfway through the life of the engine, and it's a lot less expensive to put heads on it than it is to change the engine out. As long as you catch it in time. Yeah, you got to catch, catch it. You got to catch it at the right time because if you just keep adding coolant to it, the coolant's still getting in the oil, and it will wash the bearings out. Right. What oh, yeah. happens if I get it? If I get one, and let's say for the last week, two weeks, month, even two months, it's been losing coolant. Guy brings it to me. We can get all the gup out of it, clean the engine out real good, put the heads on. You probably can go another two hundred fifty thousand miles. Now, if you bring it to me, you've been losing coolant for a year and a half. Well, no. Now you enter an engine because you've taken out the lifters, you worn out the camshaft, you worn out the bearings. 
the engine's going to be so full of sludge and gel that you're not going to be able to do anything with it. So there is, like everything else, there's points. But most of the time, people start losing coolant. They're kind of on top of it. They get it in pretty fast, and, yeah, we just put heads on them, and they're good. Okay. Well, you mentioned something that brings up another question. Okay. Camshaft. Yes, sir. And I know two people that have had uh, camshaft changed, and one of them was a, I think it's a 366 that or that real fast Chevrolet pickup, and a 5.3. Both of them have had camshafts. Yeah, they're having problems with the camshafts wearing out in them. Uh, okay. And that goes back to people not changing oil when they should. They're believing this crud that GM puts out about going seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 miles. And that oil, the viscosity starts to shear it on. It does not protect those camshafts. Camshaft, even a roller cam like they have in that, is an extremely high-load component. And when you start pushing that all out to those levels, you're going to eat camshafts up. And that's what's happening with all of them. Ford's having the same problem. Oh, are they? Uh, yeah. They're having a lot of tro- internal engine problems ever since they went to those ridiculous all change intervals. Well, I never bought into that. I no. always change it around 3,000 miles. Absolutely. Every now and then I forget my name and forget yeah. to uh, change all of uh, But me I too. never go more than 1,000. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, uh, because back in 79, I bought a new car, and, of course, it's a completely different motor. Mm-hmm. And that was common back then for the camshafts to wear out in those Chevrolet V8s. Yeah, well, they had a problem because they had the old flat tappet cams in them, and they pretty much fixed that problem when they went to roller cams. However, the problem is coming back revisiting them now because they've gone through these ridiculous all-change intervals. Like I said, I never bought into that. Mm-hmm. I change every 3,000. Oh, yeah. And it's way cheaper. It's more environmentally sound. And use a GM filter. That's right. So, okay, well, right. that, uh, that answers my question. Thank that you. sounds great. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Bye bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, I think we got time for another call before the break. We got Danny online. Good morning, Danny. Good morning. How Good morning. are y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Great. Doing a fine show there. Thanks, Keep sir. it up. Thank you. I just got 2010 GMC with a big old V8. Yes, now, sir. My question is I work four miles from my house. Yeah. Tough. I jump in, go to work, mm-hmm. kill it. That's extreme conditions, Danny. And even GM says under extreme conditions, you should change 3,000 miles. We do that, yeah, because mm-hmm. they blame that to me. And I said, yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah, that's considered extreme. If you look at anybody's explanation of extreme conditions, if your average trip is less than five miles, or if it sits a lot, or if it's in a lot of stop-and-go traffic, or if it's operated over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which in Baton Rouge, you meet all three of those criteria every day. Well, if I get a chance to blow it out like on South Choctaw, does that help? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because it needs to get probably a good 25, 30-mile trip at least once a week. If not, what's going to happen is at some point you have trouble with your catalytic converter and some other stuff like that because it never gets hot enough to really fire off and burn the contaminants out. Well, y'all write a prescription for going 100 miles an hour. No. (laughs) 70 will do it. Get on the interstate, take it down to Hammond, take it down. Hey, I'll tell you what you do. You know where Mittendorf's is at? Yes, sir. Go down there and get some catfish on Sunday. At top speed. That's it's right. a good old truck. You, you have any, anybody bringing them in now with problems? Yeah, we're seeing some stuff on them. Jerry, overall, they're not a horrible truck, but they have a few little issues with them. But everything out there has got some kind of problem with it. Well, it ain't fix and repair daily. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Good show. All right, Jerry. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Alright, 499-9526 number if you want to be part of the automotive hour. We're going to take a quick little break. Jerry, hang on. You're going to be straight up after this break. For more-
more details on an alien aircraft that landed in North America, we go to a press conference with General Toms. We have been able to communicate with the aliens using a special intergalactic code, and they are an inquisitive bunch. Uh, questions like, uh, is Carrot Top an android? Um, why are those birds so angry? Uh, and uh, who actually did put the bop in the bop shoe bop shoe bop? Sir, is it true they asked for a tow to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair? Yes, they actually explained to me about Agco and having repairs done from the overall lowest cost. They learned it all online at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. It seems like across the universe everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. Did they seek any more information? Yes, they were curious to know the mysteries of the turducken. Sir, I've often pondered those myself. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. I've got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco, right here by my side. Hey, between the two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. We'll glad to get you some information. And that's what Brenda did. Good morning, Brenda. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I have a 2003 Honda Element. Okay. And there's nothing really wrong with it. It's mm-hmm. just old and like um, creaky a little bit. But yeah, it's um, not too old. It's a lot, was, a lot younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking to buy a new one, and then okay. um, our used, basically used one. I bought this one used, mm-hmm. and I've had it for like, it's a 2003, and I don't remember when I bought it, but it's, I've had it for several years. Yes, ma'am. And what's happening is, like, they're telling me that they're not making elements anymore. I think so, they have discontinued the element. Do you know why they did that? Well, it just wasn't selling enough. It, it's kind of one of those vehicles that a lot of people are going to love, but not enough people are going to love enough to buy it. It doesn't reflect back on the car in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, there's been, well, I love the element. Yeah, there's been basically millions of cars that they've discontinued over the years, and it's just technology changes, taste change. It was sort of like, they quit making a Chevy Impala, and then they actually ended up bringing it back again. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I mean, but what, what about getting parts for it and getting it, you know, fixed? That I mean, will I- not ever be a problem, Brenda. Honda and Toyota generally maintain parts for probably 25 years or more. Now, if you had a domestic car, you'd have a problem because Ford starts discontinuing parts after about five or six years, GM after about 10 years, and so on. That little car, you said you loved the car. I mean, Mm -hmm. if it's been taken care of, then you have no problem because you're probably not even halfway through the life of the car. Now, if it hasn't been taken care of, this would be a good time to start. How many miles are on the car? Uh, 1,000, Yeah, 107,000? Yes, sir. See, you're not even halfway through the life of that car. Now, there's some things that are going to need to be done to it if you're going to continue to drive it. One is you need to check and see, and I'm not sure on the element, but I believe it has a timing belt on it. If it has a timing belt, that needs to be done because that's due right now. It was due at seven years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. I think they just have had it done. Okay, if you had that done, I mean, there's not a lot of other big expenses on the car. You may want to look at having the coolant change or the transmission, transmission serviced, service. and you may have had right. some of these things done already. But I think, I, well, I go there regularly to get, you know, like for its oil change and all that yes. kind of stuff. But it's kind of creaking, you know, and I don't well, know. that's not anything that can't be fixed. I mean. Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Those cars don't just creak. Something is wrong. Probably a bushing or something that's bad. I mean, we do that work at Agco and so do lots of other folks. But 
all you have to do is bring it, make an appointment with someone, bring it in, have the technician ride with you in the car. Request that the tech ride with you. Okay. Say, look, you hear that noise? I want that fixed. And okay, so he'll bring Adco at Adco A G C O. Yes, ma'am, on Corsi Boulevard. What we would do is I'd put Brian in the car with you. You go drive it. You show him the noise. He's going to come back. We've got a series of microphones we hook up underneath the car. And then he's got a set of headphones and a rotary switch. So he can switch around from side to side to side and listen all in the car and tell exactly where noise is at. Go in, find the bad part, change that part, and you're back good as new. Teach a class out at LSU, a 12-hour course on this exact topic. And the first day of the course, what I tell people is if you just want a new car and you can afford a new car, God bless you, buy a new car. If that makes you happy, great. But economically you're not ever going to be able to justify a new car. I know. <laughs> the total money that you'd ever spend on this car is never going to come close to what it's going to cost you to get a new one. And you said you like the car a lot, so why wouldn't you just keep the same car? I want to, except, well, unless I could get a new one, because I, I want to, I mean, I want to keep getting an element, because I really like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brenda, what I would suggest to you, we have a service, and probably other folks do as well, called a general inspection. With a general inspection, we will go over the entire car from one end to the other, tell you not only what is wrong now, but what is likely to go wrong in the near future. And if I check the car, do a general inspection, say, you know, Brenda, you got this problem coming up, this problem coming up, this problem coming up, maybe you should start looking for another car. But we may very well say, hey, this car is in great shape. All it needs is lower control arm bushings or front struts or whatever the problem may be. Now you got a car that's back healthy and safe and ready to go for another hundred thousand miles that you like to have that you, that like, you like anyway anyway right exactly okay all right, all right. well i thank you so much all right you're welcome thank you ma'am bye-bye, bye-bye. all right four nine 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 five two six number if you want to be part of the automotive hour we still got a few minutes be glad to try to help you out that's a service that a lot of people do avail themselves of but far far more should and that is a general inspection of the vehicle before you make a decision to get rid of your car correct because there is no sense in dumping a whole bunch of money into an old car that has a lot of problems and a lot of looming problems correct and we do inspect cars a lot of time and say well you know you're better off to take the money you're going to spend put it towards something closer to the beginning of its life because this one has major problems but many, many times we find a car that is in good shape overall. Just, just needs, needs a few little few ins and outs and things to get it straightened out. That's right. Hey, let's see if we can catch one more call before we get out of here. And we got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Just hearing your show for the first time today. Oh, thank you. I enjoy it. Thank you. I think you guys are doing a good job, and I appreciate the, your honesty. Y'all seem to be uh, real up front and not out to make a quick buck. Well, that's true. I've uh, been, in, been in this business 40 years, so if I make a quick buck, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> Where is your shop again? Uh, we're on Corsi Boulevard. I tell you, uh, Steve, go to my website. It's agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. All right. I'll and you'll find everything you ever want to know about us in there. Okay, good. I got a uh, 05 Mazda 6, uh-huh. 148000 on it. Mm-hmm. I really don't have any mechanical problems. Change the oil pretty much religiously. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. But I, I really haven't done much maintenance on 
any moving parts like transmission and stuff like that. Yes, sir. Well, it's a good time to get all that started. And I, I tell you, I'm just about out of time. I'll give you a quick answer, but you can always call back next week if you don't hear what you need. But yeah, get it in. I would recommend a general inspection on it. See where you stand at, and they can tell you everything that's passed due on it and what to be done. Right now, if you catch it, you can probably head off a lot of the big problems that are coming if you don't do it. So good time to do something. Probably not too late, but I would start out just getting a general inspection. Hey, I'm telling everybody how much we appreciate listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And go to the website and get on the iTunes and That's right. give us a rating. Hey, give us a rating or subscribe to it. That'll move us up in the ratings, and we really appreciate that. More folks can hear us and maybe get more. Get more people listening. <laughs> That's right. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.